Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church, or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at newsound.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Hey, listen, so if you got... Uh, if you got your notes, go ahead and pull them up. And, and you may not know this, we have a New Sound Church app, and you can actually follow along, and our notes are in there. But be a note taker today. I've got some stuff that I think could help you. This week I was um, looking at a story of a guy. It was a husband and wife. They're on a four-wheeler up in Canada, and it's a true story. It's a, it's a frightening thing. Larry and Chrissy Waters, they were driving across this frozen lake. And... Um, and they actually got into, uh, they, they, they thought the, the frozen lake was safe because there were actually a lot of tracks on the lake. And um, so they go hauling off across the lake because it was a much shorter distance to go across the lake to get to their home. And it, uh, the ice breaks underneath them. And they go in and they're, they're fighting for their life um, at this point. And they're clawing. And, and if you can imagine... You're reaching up and, uh, and, you're, and they're trying to get out and, and, and they're pulling and their hands are getting more and more tired and, and, and they just can't seem to get a grip on this ice. And they're just sinking and I, and, and I just was trying to put myself in that situation, what it would feel like to have the fear of drowning, the fear of freezing to death, all of those things, all those unfinished things, all of those fears, that anxiety, that weight that would come to on you in that moment and he, he actually swam over that he, he was he was done they were done they weren't going to get out and so he just he swam over to his wife and i just think about it as my wife sits in the front row like what, what what would i be doing in that moment and and um and he just swam, swam over and he, he gave her a kiss and he he said this is it i love you um it's been a good run i wish we had longer and he gave up And I thought about that as we were finishing up this series that I think that some of us are in here and we're at that place where we're about this close to giving up, to just, the the water's cold. Uh, I don't see a way out. Uh, Maybe it's a relationship that you're in. Maybe it's your career and you just thought you'd be farther along. Maybe it's some troubles that you found yourself in the middle of and you just realize that, God, I just thought that I would be further along and you're right here at this point of just kind of ready to give up maybe the thing you're getting ready to quit on is church it's you've tried it you're like man I've come I came all three weeks and and my life isn't sunshine and puppy dogs and so I figure if it's not all sunshine and puppy dogs maybe then this just doesn't work or maybe I'll just can't kind of keep jumping around or 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 maybe for you you get where kind of how I was for a long time you feel like people are just now starting to get to know some of your baggage and some of your junk Right? And you're like, oh, they're starting to figure it out. We don't have it all together. Bail. Uh, like, pull, pull the handle, pull the handle. And, and we, we, we run out because we're like, oh my goodness, what if they begin to find out that I'm not perfect? Spoiler alert, we met you in the lobby. We knew it within seconds. Within seconds. We saw your kids at check in. We knew, we knew you weren't perfect. We knew your family had some stuff that it needed to work on. So does. So does ours. And, and in this series, we've been talking about this idea of, of this, uh, this declaring war on the version of yourself that you no longer want to be. And, and we said that a lot of times what starts is we get some stinking thinking. Like you just get 
some bad thoughts. You just assume the worst and then your words begin to follow the bad thoughts. And so we talked about in week one, how to get your thought life right. And we talked about in week two, it's the power of your words. And then we said, what you're going to have to do though, is you're going to have to commit that week three into some habits. Like you're going to have to begin to ingrain some of these things in your decision-making, your thought life and your word life and your, and, and, and the way you spend your time, you're going to have to begin to reorder those things and get some new habits in your life. If you're going to experience the breakthrough that God has for you. But I want to, I came here to tell you today that with all of that, you need to understand that Sunday has a funny way of turning into Monday. And as you walk out of here today, you need to understand that whether you acknowledge it or not, you are in a battle. I remember, you remember the uh, old movie, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? They, they made like 73 of them. I'm not talking about any of the other ones. I'm talking about the first one, the first one. And there was this moment in the very beginning and he's got the, the bad evil pirate has kidnapped the young girl and... He's telling her about all this stuff, and she says, I don't believe in ghost stories, right? Do you remember what he, and he walks out, and when he walks out into the moonlight, he turns into that skeleton, you know, and then and like that cool pirate's like, you best start believing in ghost stories, Mrs. Turner, because you're in one, you know? And that's what I thought today. That's what I wanted to come to you today. You best start believing you're in a battle, because you're in one, Right? And I think like you're in one, whether you acknowledge it or not. And today I want to talk about, we've got the tools necessary to win the war, but we've got to begin to use those things in our life. The number of worries that people report while taking a test directly predicts how poorly they will do on it. So when you've got a lot of anxiety swirl around in your brain, and I just, I just get that sense from, from a lot of folks. I mean, it's like you're, you're worried about, it's like the credit card, or you're worried about the kids, and they're kind of going through some stuff. You're worried about your spouse. Like, you're worried, just, you just got all this stuff swirling around. And the, the problem, when you're focused that much on worry and fear, and you're kind of sinking into that cold water, the problem is, from a brain power perspective, your cognitive function, your cognitive ability goes way, way down. So when you're worried, when your mind is filled up with worry, you are actually operating as a lesser version of the person that God made you to be. And we've got to figure out how to take hold of that worry because it's, it's, it's dumbing us down and it's keeping us from making great decisions because fear is dominating our life. We started the series with a story about Teddy Roosevelt. And in week one, we said there was this moment on San Juan Hill where he said as he crossed over the barbed wire to chase into battle, he's like, it was like a wolf began to grow in his heart. And he lived and he fought that way. And we talked about the, the power of letting that wolf rise up in your own heart. And we said, which one are you going, which one's going to win the battle of your life? And we said, it's the one that you feed. You can feed the wolf of worry and anxiety or fear. Or you can feed that wolf of faith and courage and power and a, and a sound mind. And, you, and, 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 we, and then we looked at just how speaking that even over your own life can have incredible power. Well, years later... Teddy Roosevelt, at 60 years old, died in his sleep. And I want you to have the same mentality of this, this old, grizzled fighter 
And the vice president of the United States said when he was when he was asked about the death of Teddy Roosevelt in his sleep, he said death had to take Roosevelt sleeping for if he had been awake, there would have been a fight. And I think for some of us, we need to understand like we're in that fight and God's word gives us the tools for stepping into that. In 2 Corinthians, it says, I do live in the world. Like we're not pretending like that we don't have to go to work and have jobs and kids and families. It's like, like people like kind of over spiritualize things sometimes. I think like we can't over spiritualize. Like, do you have any friends that are kind of oversaved? You know, like, and that's fine. That's fine. But like when they first get saved, they're like, they were like super saved. You're like, Hey dog, I can't find my keys. You're like, you need the keys to the kingdom. I'm like, no, I don't. You're oversaved. I just need, I need my key. I need a, I drive a Nissan. I don't drive a kingdom. I need you to help me find my keys. So I'm not trying to say that we're not in the world. Like we're in the world. I do live in the world, but he says this, I don't fight my battles the way the people of the world do. The weapons I fight with are not the weapons that the world uses. In fact, it is just the opposite. My weapons have the power of God to destroy the camps of the enemy. The enemy is camped out on this side and you're camped out on this side. And I'm telling you whether you acknowledge it or not, you are in a battle. And he said, so I destroy every claim and every reason that keeps people from knowing God. I keep every thought under control in order to make it obey Christ. And he said, I'm going to get my words right. I'm going to get my thoughts right. I'm going to get my actions right. And I don't fight the way that the rest of the world fights. So if you had a title for this message, if you wanted one, man, it is go to war. Like you are in one, you might as well suit up for one. And so when you, when Sunday turns to Monday and you're heading into the office or you're heading into that important meeting, or you're trying to close that business deal, or you're meeting with your kids, or you're going through stuff with your spouse, you might as well go ahead and make the decision now. I'm in a battle and so I'm going to act that way. I'm going to give you a few thoughts on how to take some of these things and go to work. The first thing you got to do is you got to set the edge. You got to set the edge. And let me tell you what I mean by that. So I was a football player a hundred years ago when my body was shaped slightly different and, and, um, I'm in a bulking phase right now, but, but back then, you know, I was, my granddaddy always said, I got furniture disease. That's when your chest falls in your drawers. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, <laughs> so, so you got to set the edge and, and, and that's a football term. When I was playing defense growing up, they would tell, they would tell me like nothing gets, nothing gets outside of you. You set the perimeter. And, and so you would fight to control that edge so that everything that was trying to get around you got pushed back inside. Because listen, everything that gets pushes back inside, help is on the way. And so to set the edge every now and then, what would have to happen is I would have to begin to widen out to make sure that that thing got pushed back inside because I had no help out here. I knew all my help was in here. And you gotta set the edge. And I think that for some of us, we've gotta set the edge as we're setting up our camp. We might need to widen the stakes of our tent a little bit because the enemy you're allowing to get a little too close and you're taking a little bit too much credit for your ability to have willpower and self-control. 
I'm only 35 seconds away from doing something insanely stupid on any given day. I can't let the tent stake sit right next to my feet and let the enemy that close to my camp. So we got to widen the stakes. I'm going to tell you, some of you just kind of need to get kind of like a cray cray halo around your life. Y'all got too much cray cray just sneaking all up in close. You, you're trying to be on a diet, right? You're like, you're trying to be on a diet, but I go check the pantry and it's like body built by Nabisco. Like it's just everything in there is just, it's just fatty cakes and, and, and just, and junk food. And, and so you haven't even set the tent stakes out as far as your own house. See, if I got the tent stake set as far out as the restaurant, see, I may not always get it right. I may get to that restaurant and he says, would you like dessert? And I pause thousand one. Yes, please. Yes. But if I don't have it in my house, then I don't have it every single day. See, I, I set the edge. I, I had to widen that thing out a little bit so that it wasn't always sitting in my face. If you have a problem with alcohol, probably the best place for you is probably not sitting at a bar. Like you probably want to set the edge a little wider out. They say, would you like to sit at the bar or would you like to go sit over in the, in the family section? Let, let's, let's slide on over there where I can see a high chair. If I can't see a high chair, I'm probably in a situation. Some of you haven't set the edge far enough. So you got the Amazon account. Come on, somebody. But you're the spender in the family. I know how that feels because I happen to be that guy in my family. My wife, she's a little tight on the money. She's a little tight. And she doesn't always let me get stuff and fun stuff. And so I said, okay, how about we do this? Let's set the edge. I, I have no willpower when it comes to something that can be shipped to my house from anywhere in the world by tomorrow. I'm still not 100% sure how all of that works. It's magical and I want to be a part of the system. How about you, if you're the spender, how about you set the edge? How about you get to fill the cart? They keep the credit card number. A little bit of help. Set the edge. I have no control. Would you like to save this payment method? No. Because if I do, I'm going to get everything. You're letting people get too close. Some of you need to set the edge on some relationships. They're getting in too close and toxic and funky is just always right in your ear. You got to get a cray cray bubble that doesn't let them always have access to your life. Some people are dysfunctional and they might even be family, but you got to love them at a distance. You can love people safely with walls. I got some people in my life that just don't seem that they're ever going to change. I don't hate them. I don't wish ill on them. But just every now and then, I peek up over the wall. Hope everything's good over there on y'all's side. I'm going to be back over here um, dealing with very much less drama than what appears to be happening on your side of the wall today. And I'll be right back over here. I just wanted to stick my head up and say, how's everybody doing in the dumpster fire of a life you built for yourself? So, um, so sometimes you just got to peek up. You got to love people from a distance. You got to be able to, you're, you're letting them in too close. Sometimes you're letting them in and it's accessed through your social media. Um, you're getting on there and it's just crazy. Look, if you get on there just to find out what they have done that is now going to make you matter, block them. 
Hey, it's the most satisfying thing in the world. You know what I hate about the blocking on iPhone? Is they, they actually take the point to tell you that your contact will not know that they've been blocked. I said, no, 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 no. I called them and said, you need to send a message. Like, can we... I want to block them, but like as I hit the button, I want a thing to come up on their phone like, when, oh, when, oh, when, you've been removed from Josh's life. Like, it's just, I want them to know. So sometimes on Facebook, I'll, I'll unfriend you and then friend request you, and then right as you come to accept it, block. Just because I need to be on your radar enough to know I don't want to be in your life. It's not healthy, but it's my journey. But you're letting people get in too close and you got to figure out how to set the edge. I want clear borders. If you're fighting a battle, you're not going to win if the enemy is always up against you. And this is what I love. I love this verse. I saw it one morning in prayer and it just, it blessed me. It says, uh, it's Psalm 46, 9. He says, he makes war cease. So we... There are some battles that you're in that he can bring a conclusion to because look at this. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, and he burns the shields with fire. That means he, he breaks the bow. He's going he's gonna to protect the people that are shooting arrows at you from a long distance that don't even know you. They don't even know what you're going through. They assume that like, they're the only person in the whole planet that's trying to do anything. And so they just love, they, they got a blog for everything. They got a Facebook post for everything. God said, I'm going to protect you from that person. They're never going to be able to hurt you. I'm going to break the bow. He said, I'm going to shatter the spear, the people that just managed to get close enough into your camp to hurt you in that hand-to-hand combat. He said, I'm going to shatter the spear. And then he said, I'm going to burn, I'm going to burn up the shields, the defenses that they've used to defend their actions that have hurt you and have broken you. And he said, I'll bring this war to an end. And the cool thing is he didn't say that you're going to do it. He says, he's going to do it. He brings them to an end. So we've got to figure out, we've got to feed the right wolf. You've got to starve your fear and you've got to feed your faith. You've got to starve your fear and you've got to feed your faith. So locking down the borders, let me give you something super practical, just practical in your life that you could do. And if, if you're taking notes, you just write this down, just 888, just 888. What would it look like if you got eight hours of sleep each night? Man, I think we're running off of some mental fatigue, guys. I think we're just exhausted half the time. We're staying up late. And if you're in a season like we are, we got young kids. I mean, there's always something going on. Somebody, just about the time you get everybody in bed, the one gets sick or they, they're just like a, it's like, I don't know what happens. We get to bedtime and they're like a bunch of dehydrated. <laughs> just pajama hating monsters. But you got to get some sleep. You got to rest. I think we're burning both ends of the candle. And what if you got eight cups of water every day? You're like, well, I mean, I read a study from American Journal of Medicine. Just, just start with eight. Right now, you got zero. Right now, you got, you got two cups of coffee, a Diet Coke, and a Dasani uh, sparkling water halfway through the day. Like, let's just, just eight, eight, eight. Just set the borders. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I can't control everything. I can't fix every problem in my life. But what I can do is I can go eight, eight, eight. I can, I can get eight hours of sleep. I can just drink eight just good glasses of water, right? And then I can read my Bible for eight minutes. Just imagine if those were the stakes that you said, okay, I'm not going to give up on those just three things. It's simple. It's not complicated. It's not magical. But could begin to 
be the thing necessary to reframe your mind. God will not do for us what we can do for ourselves. He's not going to do it for you. So he's not going to magically give you rest. He's not going to magically fill you up with water. And he's not going to magically just dump scripture into your brain to give you the strength necessary to reframe your mind, shift your thought life, shift your word life, and see new habits and and, and things begin to form. If you're not going to take those steps, God's not going to do for you what you're not willing to do for yourself. But I love this in John 16, 7. You don't have to do it all by yourself. Once you begin to put some things in action, he sends some help. Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, and that's worth highlighting or underlining in your Bible. This comes up several times in scripture. The advocate will not come. So Jesus said, look, I want to stay with you guys forever, but... I'm going to leave because instead of having to be with me in the room all the time, I've actually got a new setup for you where this thing, the advocate or the Holy Spirit, is going to be able to be with you always with every person, everywhere they go and in every situation. And he says, and if I go, I'm going to send him to you. But the word there for this advocate is this Greek word, parakletos. Parakletos. And if you look at the definition that I've given to you here, it literally, I need you to recognize that it says summoned, called to someone's side, like that there's an invitation that has to happen, that there's a moment where you have to begin to reframe yourself and say, like, Holy Spirit, I need you in my life. Like, I'm better with you. Having the Holy Spirit in my life doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better right? Than me. Like I need you in my life. Like I, God, I need you. Holy spirit. Don't ever leave me. When I start my day, I've got a good foundation of sleep. I'm going to get a few minutes in the word and, and I'm rested up and ready to attack the day. But what I got to do to set that edge in my life is I got to have the right people in my camp and the wrong people out of my camp. And so the, that, 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 that paraclete is that helper that has to be invited, summoned alongside of you. So although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons. Our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power. I'd say it like this. The devil can't burn what's already burning. What if it would look like I'm not talking about like getting like oversaved. But man, on fire for God on a daily basis, getting up and giving him everything you've got. Don't try to do God's work without God's power. Raise your voice. Have you ever noticed right before Jesus went to be betrayed? I've read this, verse, this, this, this section of scripture, uh, uh, I don't know, thousands of times. I don't think it's an exaggeration. I've read it and read it and read it and studied it and taught sermons on what I thought was every single angle of this moment is, he was finishing up this last supper and then he would head off to the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I've got a sermon that's going to blow your mind on Palm Sunday about the significance of all of those moments. And, and then when he, he, uh, he's, he's, then he betrayed with that kiss and Judas kisses him and then it's over. And, but in this moment, I saw something here that I'd never seen before. And, 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 and in, the, in the 30th verse of the 26th chapter, it says this, when they had sung a hymn, 
Then they left. Putting a song in his heart put steel in his spine. He was taking control of the atmosphere of his heart. Worship is more than singing, but it's not less. Worship doesn't just win the war. Worship is the war. And in that moment, as he was heading off into the worst moment of his life, where he would be betrayed and ridiculed, stripped down naked. I know the pictures of Jesus on the cross in the movies that you've seen always have him in that little loincloth. Guys, I'm here to tell you, he wasn't wearing a stitch of clothes. They stripped him down naked. They beat him so brutally that he ended up actually dying of heart failure. And, and he knew the only way that I can get through that moment is I've got, I better get a song in my heart. Have you ever, ever, ever been out somewhere and like you're just thinking, like you're in a bad day and a song from church will just maybe come up in your mind? Man, that was, I believe that was what was happening in that moment of Jesus' life. He just began to sing this song out over and over and over. And it probably, as, as every lick came down of that cat of nine tails and, and he's getting hit over and over and over, that song was the song that kept coming back into his heart over and over and over and as he drugged that cross through the city streets it was that song because it was a culmination of everything that we've been teaching you he said the only way I'm going to shift my thoughts is I have to understand my words have power and I can't say words that I'm not thinking and so if I'm going to shift my thinking I'm going to sing a song I'm going to sing a hymn over my life and I believe that the thing necessary to bring breakthrough in that moment was worship. The reality is you were made to worship. You will either worship God or you'll worship something else, but you'll always worship something. Some of us, we live and die by the opinions of somebody else. Some of us are living and dying by the stuff that we accumulate. But he said, you will worship. And real worship is this. It is flipping your world upside down. Instead of telling your God how big your problems are, worship is the act of telling your problems how big your God is. And it begins to flip all of that on its ear and turn it all upside down. Jesus started his public ministry with worship, and it would seem here in this moment that he ended his public ministry with worship. So we got to set the edge. And then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you this. you just got to keep showing up. Keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up. I know that it would be easier to quit on most any given day, but the fact that you're here today in church meant you decided just to keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up. I came across the story of a guy named Tim who graduated from college out in Portland. And he had gotten a brand new wife and they wanted to go try to see the world on a budget. So they flew off to Europe with all of the money that a college student could expect to have and a brand new wife. And they thought of backpacking or or hiking or hitchhiking their way through Europe. Well, after a few short weeks of trying that, they realized that this was just not going to work. And so he went and spent some money and bought a Fiat 600 to get his way through the European country. But this Fiat had a lot of problems. It kept breaking down over and over and over and over. 
So he found that almost always he had a knife in one pocket and a pair of pliers in another. And he would work and fix this fiat and they would continue on their journey. And in his little notebook, he wrote down, wouldn't it be neat if somebody were to able to combine those tools so that you wouldn't have to carry around more than one thing? So Tim came home and he began to work on this idea of combining a knife and a set of pliers. Well, after three years, he was completely fruitless in his efforts. His wife was working a full-time job and he was dedicating his life to just this thing and he had no breakthrough. On his 30th birthday, I watched an interview where he described the moment where he laid his head on his work desk in his garage and he cried himself to sleep. He felt like a failure. But he said, I woke up the next morning and I decided that quitting just wasn't going to be my option. So he kept going. Five more years he worked until he finally sold his device to one store, a brand new startup store called Cabela's. They bought 500 items called Mr. Crunch. It was the name of the tool. After receiving hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rejections, Cabela's asked him, would you consider changing the name of your tool from Mr. Crunch? We don't think it's very marketable. And might we suggest you just use your last name? And so Tim Leatherman worked eight years to take a set of pliers and add a knife to them. But what about the husband and wife sinking into the ice that day? He swam over to his wife and he gave her a kiss. And he told her that he loved her. And as he let himself go from the ice and his hands began to slip down into the icy water, his hand brushed this very familiar thing that had been on his hip every day for years. He reached down and he pulled out the Leatherman. He describes it saying that he pulled the pliers around and he grabbed it with the strongest grip that he could imagine. And in one final effort, he swung up out of the ice, slammed the Leatherman into the ice, and in one motion, pulled himself out, spun around and grabbed his wife and pulled her to safety. And I wonder what it would have looked like for them had Tim Leatherman quit in his garage that night crying himself to sleep. You can't quit. Not just because your life is on the line, but because somebody else's life is on the line. You can't quit because it matters that much. And I need you to understand that you don't need this tool to break free from the thing that you're sinking in. God gave you the tool and it's a song in your heart. He said, choose to worship me when you're sinking in fear. Choose to put me above all of those things when you don't know how it's all going to work out. He said, when you don't know what else to say, sing a song and tell me how much you love me. And I want to keep you focused on what I have in your life. I love this quote. Success consists of going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. 
And then I watched the interview with Tim Leatherman and he said, there is a fine line between perseverance and failing to accept reality. But if you have to pick, lean to the side of not accepting reality. Lean to the side of keeping going instead of quitting too soon. And so today as we close out our service, I I think that what I want to give to you is the tool necessary to fight the fight that, you're, that is waiting for us on Monday and Tuesday. For some of us, as quick as we hit the car after church. And I want to teach you a song. I had a buddy of mine send it to me this week. I'd finished this sermon and I didn't know what to do. I thought I'm missing something. I don't know what it is. He never texts me on Wednesday because he knows I ride all day Wednesday. But he said, I just couldn't, I had to send this to you. I've never heard the song before. And I clicked on this thing and I thought, that's the sermon. I called Trenton and I said, hey buddy, I need a song in like eight minutes. He's like, I'll get it to you in five. And we want to take a moment right now to teach it to you. And as you step from Sunday into Monday, I want you to put an anthem in your heart. And when you start to get discouraged and when you feel like quitting, I'm going to invite you to choose worship instead. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at newsound.church.